When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 2nd, the But I Want Mom edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's a few weeks from being 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, but I'm currently just down the street from Jamila in Los Angeles. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. I'm the host of the Slate podcast, What Next TBD, and I'm mom to Sam, who is two and a half, and we live in Brooklyn. Lizzie, we're so happy to have you here. I'm psyched. Listeners who follow you on Twitter already know, but you share some of the funniest glimpses into parenthood, whether it be a toddler refusing copious amounts of bananas because they're wrong, trying to locate a specific lost frog stuffy, or simply barf out of car seat. How? Which is a question that I'm sure has haunted most of us, at least on one occasion. (laughs) But are you ready to tackle another classic parenting conundrum? Absolutely. I am ready. I mean, I hope I'm ready, but I'll try. That's what we hope every week. And that's good. Because today we've got a question about a kid who won't stop clinging to his mom. Things are getting worse. He's practically become her shadow. Can they break this habit before his new sibling is born in April? And if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we will be digging into our mailbag. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you are a Slate Plus subscriber. Yeah, a lot of parenting sucks. Like a lot of it is not good. The rest of it is just really hard. The rest of it is just really hard. The rest of it is just waiting until you barf. And then wondering how to get it out of the car seat, right? Wondering how to get out the car seat. I got in the shower with it. Oh. I washed all the parts that were machine washable, and then I got in the shower with the the frame. I mean, that sounds like a solution to me. I bet it was nice and clean. Slate Plus is the best way to support the show. Besides our undying appreciation, you get a whole bonus segment from us every week, zero ads on any Slate podcast, and unlimited access to the Slate website. Sign up now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to dive into our week in parenting, but not before a quick break. We'll see you back here in a second. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, 
we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Elizabeth, why don't you start us out? Do you have a triumph or a fail this week? Okay, I am taking a triumph, but it's, it's of course, sort of Henry's triumph and sort of actually the triumph of the system as a whole, which I feel like I was just so <laughs> surprised and delighted by. So last Thursday, there was like an 11 o'clock basketball game at um, the Air Force Academy. It was women's basketball. We decided that we would go. We got a bunch of other homeschool friends and went to this <laughs> basketball game. And of course, there were just not a lot of people there. So we You're were telling me that women's Air Force basketball at 11 o'clock. At 11. I know. Shocking. <laughs> right. The hottest ticket in town. <laughs> So we, we of course, sat right up front, and Jeff came over um, from work, which is super fun, and he has a bunch of students that play and a couple students that are on the cheer team, so the, the kids were getting to, like, meet these players before the game. Um, and, of course, they're amazing, but they came up and asked, like, hey, would one of your kids want to participate in, in one of those things they do up on the big screen during one of the breaks? And Henry was like, okay, and he he volunteered. And they said, listen, no matter what happens, you're going to walk away with a prize pack. Um, we're going to come back and get you. <laughs> like, we were like, okay, cool. And they come to get him, and they're like, he needs to come by himself. He's 10. It's fine, right? He looks a little kind of apprehensive. And And right before he goes, he says, like, what if I screw this up and everybody laughs at me? And I was like, honey, it's going to be totally fine. We're going to be cheering for you, right? So they they take him away. He has to wait for like 15 minutes or something with this guy <laughs> with these headphones on. We can kind of see him, but down on the court. Um, they bring him out to play this game. And it's that game where they put like cup, you know, something. It's a basketball under a cup on the screen. And the cups are all moving around. And you have to know which one it's under. And oh, it my gets, God, they, he's playing three-card Monty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, And everybody's cheering, you know, all the people are like cheering and it stops and we all think it's like under number three and we're like trying to yell at him. And he does, he ends up picking number three, which is the right one. And he gets this um, prize and he's so excited. He gives a big smile. He's happy. They give him the prize pack. The like Falcon guy is there. But he comes back to the seat and he said, right before um, they said, hey, we don't want you to have to be embarrassed. So it's going to be under number three. And I just thought, what a nice thing to do like I understand that this is a game and I assume when adults go up and play at other games they are not telling them the right answer but to clearly identify that this is like a 10 year old kid who is very worried that in front of his friends and in front of these other kids that he would seem stupid, you know, yeah. or that people people would say that. I feel like that was more the apprehension rather than, like, I'm in front of all these people. <laughs> what if I do something dumb? He was very worried about, like, what if I just lose track of the ball or what if I don't know? Some of the other games were, like, trivia questions about basketball. And he's like, I just don't know much about basketball. Um, so anyway, I just felt proud that they had thought about kind of the emotional ramifications for asking a child to be on a screen and beyond the prize like what happens if he gets it wrong I don't know not that I'm not for kids failing but it just seems like in this you know like he was doing them a favor there was no one else there to say yes I feel like that's the kind of thing like had it gone the other way you know it's like he's 30 and saying I just can't forget that time when I was so embarrassed on the big screen. 
so I was just very proud that this, I don't, I don't know that this man who came to get him was the one who thought about that, but some adult somewhere thought, listen, when we're dealing with kids, we should really make sure that they succeed in this opportunity. Right. And of course it was so much cuter because he like jumped up and down and he was so excited, even though he knew the answer beforehand. (laughs) That is really cute. Shout out to some adult. To some adults, yeah. Someone who did that. It was, yeah, that's really sweet. Lizzie, what about you? So I have, I think, a triumph for Sam and a a bit of a fail for me. So Sam is two and a half, and my husband and I have, you know, kind of thought a lot about, like, okay, how do we teach this child bodily autonomy and some things about consent, but, you know, in a way that's age-appropriate. And and I he also goes to preschool two days a week, so he gets some of that there. And I, I should say, like, I'm sort of gross, like, I groom people like a monkey if I love them, right? Like, if your child has a booger or some earwax or whatever, like, I'm like, oh, let me, I can just, let me do this to my own child. Or let me just, like, go fix my husband's hair. Drive him crazy. So I was sitting with Sam and sort of was like, oh, there's a piece of wax and I could just, I could just get it. And I kind of went for it. And he said, mommy, that is my body. And I was so... I was so proud of him. I was like, I totally did the wrong thing. I went in there without asking. And he looked at me with this like very serious little two-year-old face. That's my body. I was like, yes, it is, buddy. It is your body. And you know what? Good for you. Like you get to decide what happens with your body. I was exceptionally proud of him. I think that's great. I, you know, I always say it's okay to make mistakes as a parent. It's how we deal with it, right? I was like, I should have asked you, Sam, and I didn't. Yes, and you gave him the opportunity in a very safe environment to tell you that. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's great. <laughs> Not that you should do it on purpose, <laughs> but, but when it happens, you know, and then you apologize. Like, you showed him what it should look like when a child asserts consent in, in a scenario, right? That it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can just be, you're absolutely right. I'm so sorry. I will make sure to ask next time. Good job, two-year-old Sam. Very good, which means he's been parented well. That's right. Well, or, or preschooled well. <laughs> That's the other option. Or preschooled well. Well, um, my fail is wrapped up in a three-way fail where the hosts of Mom and Dad are Fighting <laughs> attempted to all get together in L.A. yesterday, and it did not work. Zach and Elizabeth and their families are both in town, And we thought it would be nice if we could just, you know, at least briefly see each other. Everybody's schedules were crazy. Like the weather's bad. It's just The weather's bad. But we just, we thought we found a time to make it work. And then Elizabeth's flight is delayed. So they're not even on the plane when we're supposed to go meet. Zach realizes that the drive that he'd committed to was like a crazy distance and that he had to be back like way on the other side of town, you know, not long after we were supposed to be meeting up. And I, who showed up to school at three o'clock to pick Naima up so we could have this outing. And of course I get the text from Zach saying, okay, I don't think we're going to make this work right before I get to Naima's school. So I'm like, oh, fuck you know like because I've had her miss after school so now what are we gonna do you know we've just got these three additional hours and when I get to the school they're like oh Naima's in tutoring and I thought the tutoring she's been doing tutoring three times a week and I thought it ended last week but it ends this week so I had to sit in the parking lot for an hour and wait for her to be tutored I can't tell if that's 
really annoying or like some nice alone time? That was really annoying. <laughs> I ended up doing some writing uh, on my phone, but it would have been nicer to be seated at my desk or on the couch with my laptop as opposed to writing on my phone for an hour. But, you know, we tried. The, the texts were just like, yeah, it was like, I kept holding out hope the plane would take off. And finally, <laughs> Jamila's like, okay, here's what's happening. I'm like, guys, I'm not even on the plane. Ugh. And I actually land the last e- the last message I sent is like send me a cute picture <laughs> and I land and she was like we did not meet up <laughs> we did not meet up and it's such a fun strange coincidence that you all are both here I know we're gonna try again we're Stay gonna try <laughs> I'm extremely impressed that you were trying to coordinate three families meeting up honestly good for you <sighs> that is a good point it felt actually appropriate <laughs> that it did family you know all of the normal things that hang us up. Hung yep. us up for this. <laughs> yep. I felt relieved that, like, it hadn't worked out for us either. Because I was like, oh, man, I was so annoyed. And then I was like, uh, so basically, they could have been there. And I would have been like, well, Naima's in tutoring. <laughs> so, or I would have had to pull her out of tutoring, which I would have felt terrible about yeah. doing. So, there's that. We're all equally at fault. <laughs> yes. Well, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. And see you back here in a second for our listener question. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back and ready to hear our question. Dear Mom and Dad, My husband and I have two boys, ages two and five, and I'm due with our third in April. Lately, we've been really struggling with mommy preference and attachment issues with our two-year-old. He's been super clingy since birth, always wanting me to hold him and getting upset when I left the room. He's what older generations might call a stubborn baby. He just cried nonstop for weeks when our nanny first started, and our multiple attempts at sleep training resulted in hours and hours of screaming over many, many weeks. Things did get better over time. He happily went to nursery school each day. He accepted my husband doing bedtime routines or comforting him when he woke up in the night. But over the last two months, things have gotten out of control. He follows me around all day. He says he hates daddy even when they're playing fun games together. He screams for hours when my husband handles bedtime or wake-ups or even when he eventually ends up in bed with me. He wakes up multiple times in the night calling out for me. I know this backslide is likely related to the baby's near arrival, but I just don't know what to do anymore. I'm exhausted from his needs. My husband is exhausted from getting yelled at constantly, and we have two months before a newborn makes us all worse. My husband thinks we just need to be tough with him and let him cry particularly on the nights when it's daddy's turn for bedtime. He believes that he'll eventually learn to accept his fate. I'm usually okay with letting him cry for 30 to 45 minutes, knowing that he's with his dad and things should be fine. But when it gets to over an hour of hearing him scream for his mama, I just give in. How do I escape this child and get him to accept his loving father? Signed, why are you so obsessed with me? Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. It's like I'm having a physical reaction to hearing this letter. It's so, it's just like, particularly the, 
idea of just hearing him scream for his mama. That's it's so hard for an it's hour. An hour. Oh, oh. Okay. Can I? So I, I realize that I'm new here, but I've I've thought about this one a lot, and I like wrote down many thoughts. Um, I think the first thing is like this is hard, and it's like they're not doing something wrong. It's just hard. It's okay for it to be really hard. That said, I have two or three thoughts. One is that he's two and, you know, in my own life, we're going through a big like, mommy, go away. Don't want you here. Only daddy. Like, okay, fine. You're two. Like your job is to figure out what degree of independence you have, etc. Part of this is probably his personality and that's just who he is. And then part of this is obviously the baby. I think first and foremost, he just needs to be reassured. And I'm sure they're doing this, that they love him no matter what, that her husband loves him no matter what. Like, there's so much transition going on that the sort of, you, we will always love you. I love you when you're mad at me. I love you when you tell me to go away. All of those things are important. But then the part of the letter that, like, really stuck with me is the idea that things did get better. So, like, I, I wonder if practicing some things, like a, a small bore practice might be helpful. Like, Five minutes of one-on-one time with mommy or mama, however, whatever name they use, maybe they set a timer or whatever, and, like, you just get that really undivided attention. I don't know. That was, like, kind of what I'm thinking of, like, the because it, it sounds like he's keying in on uncertainty, emotional uncertainty, the uncertainty of, like, who's going to do what in his life, and that, that, like, little practice periods of certainty might be be helpful. And I guess the, the last thing I want to say is that I'm not in any way like blaming. I'm actually sympathizing, empathizing with the letter writer. But we were just visiting some relatives in Canada, and, and one of them is a family doctor. And he, you know, sees a lot of newborns now, but he also used to see kids kind of from, from pregnancy through their adolescence. And my husband and I were getting really stressed about something with Sam. And I saw David, like, take his hands and kind of pull them down in this just, like, lower the temperature and exhale motion. And it it was like, oh, right, we actually have to work on our own emotional regulation in these moments when it's really, really, really hard. And I kind of wanted to just, like, send that out to the parents. Like, it is hard. And you get to, like, have that moment of breathing and trying to take the temperature down for yourself, too. I think that's really sound advice. And one of the things I had written down kind of on that same vein is spending time to empathize with the child that is going through this and validating those feelings of wanting to be with mom or having this preference for one parent because of the way they make you feel or that safety net. And I think specifically dad can do that to say, I know you really want to be with mom. I really love being with mom too. What are some of the things that make being with mom so nice, right? So Mm. empathizing for that. We struggled a lot with this actually with each incoming baby. (laughs) And one of the things that Jeff did really well is that he would make he and whatever child, you know, didn't want to be with him, a team to do something nice for me. So it was like, this is a way we can help mommy and we can make her feel good or we can make her feel this way. Um, And in fact, my youngest one and him make coffee for me together in the morning still, because in the mornings, um, I tend to be the parent that deals with stuff kind of later at night. Jeff is not a late night person, but as a result, I am not a morning person. He is the one that gets up with our early risers. And one of the ways he dealt with that is that he made 
made it kind of Teddy's job to make my coffee. And that's something they do together so that when I get up, you know, they've done that. And Teddy wants to come and be with me in the morning, but this is the thing they do instead of that. So if there's any way that you can have something you're working on together or like, can we do everything up to the last minute cuddle before bed together? And then mom comes in and does that last cuddle, that last tuck in, you know, like, oh, let's get brushed and uh, in our pajamas so that mom has more time to do the cuddle part, you know, the part that maybe they're looking for right before bed. It also sounds like maybe they're switching off nights or jobs. And I think at this I was wondering about that. Yeah, yeah, it can be really hard for a kid to know or to think if I throw enough of a fit or if I do this, maybe I can get the other one to do it, right? So if there's any way that like every night dad can do the same jobs and every night mom can do the same jobs, if that's possible, that may help. Because again, I think you mentioned like taking away that un certainty and also knowing that the mom time is coming or I guess if it's earlier on like has already happened the other thing that really helped us when we've gone through this is for me to just be gone that there's essentially no option so to take um, particularly in the days just before I had Teddy I would take my like a walk or a time away from the family when all this chaos was going on no amount of screaming was going to bring me back from a, a walk or being at a friend's so I don't know if any of those can kind of help just how you deal with the routine I I do think it'll pass I mean I don't know a lot of people with older kids who are so you know that's the last thing I have written down here also it will pass that doesn't ever help you in the moment I know uh, Jamila what do you think I wouldn't be myself if I didn't suggest this anybody who's been listening to mom and dad are fighting knows I am the therapy advocate and you all have a nanny so I'm assuming you all are people of some means and if you could, I know it sounds, it may seem a little crazy for a two-year-old, but it seems like your son is dealing with some serious separation anxiety. You know, um, for some reason, he's worried that you're not going to be around, that you're going to be gone, you know, and a therapist could help you get some answers as to why that is, you know, um, and to help reassure him At this age, therapy is something that you would be involved in as well. So it would be the two of you together, primarily through play in most instances. You know, in my experience with very little people in therapy, I looked this up because I was like, can a two-year-old go to therapy? You know, my first therapy experience was as a preschooler. So I had to have been about three. It was a school psychologist, but everyone taught to her and my mom and I both had serious separation anxiety issues. And so we, you know, I would go talk to her on a weekly basis and it was really helpful for me. So I think that that's something that you should consider. And I think that as far as letting him cry it out, I think, oh, it's so Mm. painful. It's so painful. It's the worst, you know? I think that even when it's daddy's turn for bedtime, mommy should still be the last thing he sees before he goes to bed. I think that I think I'm with you guys on that. You can have dad do the primary 
work of preparing him for bed while still allowing you to be the, you know what I mean? Like to be part of that ritual. And so, you know, even if that means that you get to go sit down and have a cup of tea and relax, you know, put your feet up while dad does bath time and he may fuss and cry through that, but remind him like, mommy's going to be in here to tuck you in. Mommy's going to kiss you. Good night. You'll see mommy before you go to sleep. That's actually, that's how we do it in, in our family. And I, I don't know. I really love it. Like it, it allows us each to have different touch points, I think. No, I agree. I think that's a great read on it being on dealing with some of this as separation anxiety too. And there's a lot more resources out there too. If what you want is something t- to look for both in therapy or just like, you're wondering how do I Google this? <laughs> like what are other people doing? Um, Lizzie, have you had any separation anxiety issues with your little we've had, You know, we've had some, He's. Uh, this is like where I'm like I don't. I just feel like I'm like jinxing myself by saying this out loud. No, no. <laughs> He's a pretty easygoing kid. Yeah. Like he was an easygoing baby. He's a pretty easygoing going kid. I see this because I like I also spend a lot of time with my brother and his two kids. Yeah. Who are four and eighteen months. I think at least with Sam, he's a kid who does really well with expectation setting. Mm-hmm. Like even when it is something that's hard for him, even when it involves a lot of crying, which is rare. Yeah. Like, I can count on one hand the number of times it's been like, Sam's been crying for 10 minutes because we left and went out to dinner. Giving him a little bit of an appeal to his intellect actually is helpful because he's beyond the part of, like, you're just going to lie here for 25 minutes and we're going to let you fuss. Yeah. And back to, like, you are safe. I love you. Daddy loves you. You know, here you are with with your tiger, which he calls Daniel. Um, you and Daniel are tucked in, and I think you can do this. It's time It's time for sleeping. We hope that you all are able to get some resolution for this soon and that you have some peace, particularly before the new little one comes. If you want to let us know what happens next, feel free to send us another email at slate.com or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. That is it for our show. We'll be back in your feed on Monday. Lizzie will be joining us for an interesting episode about toddler leashes. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so it'll automatically pop into your feed. Make things easier on yourselves, listeners. We beg of you. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Mara Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Lizzie O'Leary, the all-Elizabeths edition, <laughs> I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.